Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. What is up, fight fans? Welcome you into another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I'm your host, Dan Canobio. Got a big one for you this week. Really happy to bring on Michael Buffer, legendary voice of boxing, uh, Hall of Fame ring announcer, all-around great guy, huge, huge boxing fan. Obviously, he's back now. He sat out for uh, the entire year during COVID out of an abundance of caution, but he's been back the last couple of weeks. He was there in Miami for the Canelo fight. He was there last week in, in Dallas for Chocolatito versus Estrada. So it's always great to catch up with a legend like uh, Michael Buffer. Fantastic interview for you guys. Uh, if you're watching the show over on Pluto TV, appreciate the Boxing Channel, Channel 728, is where you can catch this show every single week. A ton of re-airs. Also on the Fubo Sports uh, Network, you can also catch this show. And of course, Spotify, Apple, our YouTube page, Box TV. I'm going to start doing a lot more live chats over on my Twitch channel. So there's a lot of different ways you can get uh, this show and get my analysis every single week. And the boxing world is really starting to heat up or into the, 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 the meaty part of the schedule from now until about the end of May or beginning of June. As Teofimo Lopez Cambosos is supposedly uh june 5th from now until june we have great fights every single weekend uh we just this past weekend we saw an instant classic roman chocolatito gonzalez getting absolutely hosed on the scorecards at least i think against juan francisco estrada i had him winning seven rounds to five uh, over 2,000 punches thrown they set a new uh weight class record for punches thrown 705 combined punches landed absolute war and on the day where we lost marvin Hagler, it was a throwback fight uh to the 80s and we're gonna have a lot more on marvin Hagler's death with, with uh, michael buffer and i'm also gonna be putting out a special marvin Hagler remembrance episode which is gonna be fantastic look for that this weekend gonna have it with al bernstein uh bob canobio the uh, creator of copybox and uh michael and uh michael buffer will be in that episode as well big fight coming up this weekend on the zone virgil ortiz going against maurice hooker a big fight because Virgil Ortiz wants to go from prospect to contender. If he wins this fight, he wants the big names. He wants Errol Spence. He wants Terrence Crawford. Take a look at his punch stats over his career. Straight up dominance. Outlanding his opponents better than 3-1. to one. And how about this? In his last 45 professional rounds, he's never been outlanded in total punches. So he's riding quite the streak. The only instance in which he was tied was his 8th pro fight against Evandro Cavalhero. Uh, and in that fight, both fighters landed one punch. Virgil Ortiz's punch knocked out Cavaliero. So it just shows you that the fighters that they put in front of him, he's all taken them out, and I expect him to do big things this weekend over on zone. Okay, here's our guest, Michael Buffer. Okay, it's time to bring in our guest here on Inside Boxing Live. You know the voice. You know the face. He is easily one of the most recognizable faces and voices, not just in boxing, but in the world today, and he's back. Boxing is better when Michael Buffer is involved. The show is better when Michael Buffer is involved. First of all, Hello. thank you so much for, for joining us here on Inside Boxing Live. I think you came on show number five, and now we're on show number 105. So time is flying. Wow. That's great. How, how are you, Mike? Um, I'm well, thanks. Uh, you know, staying uh, within protocols here in Los Angeles and uh, pretty much 
uh, Christine and I stay indoors with the with the cats and the dogs. They're spoiled now. I think that mommy and daddy are going to be home every day. But, uh, you know, I did have a couple of shows to do over the last few weeks, so that was fun. What's it been like being back? I mean, you're a guy that's been in the sport for 40 years. You're on the road almost every single week. Then all of a sudden, you're not on the road. You're, you're, you completely come to a stop, and you chose to set out out of an abundance of caution. I don't blame you for that. But, I mean, what was it like being away from the sport, you know, a sport that you've been around for forever? Yeah, I, I missed it. And then again, at the same time, you, you know, like putting aside the reasons, uh, it was great to be home. I, I've, <laughs> I've never had a, in 38 years, I've never had a stretch of more than... Uh, 30 days. And that was like after I had a surgery uh, back in 2012 or something or eight, 2008. And uh, so it, it's, you know, it, it was different, but it was uh, enjoyable because uh, uh, I love being home. Uh, not enjoyable because of the circumstances, though, you know, with the, the pandemic. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, but it is right. Like a lot of people that are always out traveling or finally had a second or uh, more than a second to kind of sit back and, and enjoy That's the simple nice. things in life. But how about getting back? You've been back now two shows, uh, two big shows, Canelo in Miami, which is an event in itself. Uh, and then last week, Chocolatito and Estrada in Dallas, Texas. Uh, you're a guy that's done this forever. I feel like you could do it in your sleep, but when you got back in the ring for that first time in Miami, were there any nerves? Does Michael Buffer have nerves? Uh, no, it, it was just, it's like riding a bike at this point <laughs> after uh, almost four decades. So uh, it, it almost felt strange until I went up the steps and then it was, uh, you know, like being home again uh, inside the ring. Now, um, this past week, uh, there was a little bit of a, I would say somewhat controversial decision, not the worst one we've ever seen. And it had me thinking, like you and the truck or the production truck are one of the first to know the decision. Over the years, have you ever looked down at the decision and you have to have a, the, the best poker face ever? You must be a, a really good poker player because you have to look down, see the decision, realize what it is. And then if, in the case of, you know, a very bad decision, you have to just read it out without any emotion beforehand. Uh, has there ever been a case where you looked down and went, oh, wow, I'm about to don't kill the messenger. I'm just <laughs> I have to read the scores out. Yeah, uh, not I was almost about to say quite a few times, but let's just say a few times, not, not, not a lot. And, uh, that one, I, I, I could see, uh, two of the judges that had it going in opposite directions. It was by one round, mm -hmm. 15, 13, you change one round. It's a draw. Uh, the other judge had it 17, 11. And that was, that was, that was horrible. That was really bad. Yeah. But everyone I spoke to, I mean, everyone, I, um, thought that uh, that that scored it. I'm not talking about just people that kind of like thought it went one way without writing down uh, round by round. Mm -hmm. They thought that uh, Chocolatito had, had won the fight by uh, by a couple of rounds. Yeah. Was there ever an instant though in your in your 40 plus years of, of calling a fight where, you know, everything goes so perfect when you're in the ring and you've had flawless yeah. after flawless, uh, you know, telecast and, and broadcast. Was there ever a time over the last 40 years where something went wrong when you were in the ring, out of your control? Oh, um, a fan man with uh, <laughs> Bo Holyfield too in uh, Las Vegas at Caesar's Palace outdoors. That idiot that uh, had a contraption, sort of a kite type of thing with a 
with a propeller on it and he crashed into the the rigging above the ring and mm -hmm. miraculously no one got hurt um riddick bow's team remember cell phones were were pretty yeah. gigantic back they they came over and, and like you know wrecked a couple of cell phones on his head but yeah. uh, he had a helmet on and i think he uh, sort of played possum and acted like he was passed out, and they put him on a stretcher and took him out. He, and, he played uh, dead. Uh, yeah, I wish he hadn't had the helmet on. I, I would have <laughs> liked to have seen him get a beat down. Yeah, it would have been right. You know what's funny about that is I was like seven, maybe eight years old, and being terrified at like seeing that guy flying across yeah. the sky, not understanding what it meant. You know, knowing that my dad was there and like I wasn't, like watching it on pay per view at home. And being like so disoriented, like what is going on? Like I have no clue. Like just being scared. I'm sure you guys were scared it's, as it's well. It's amazing that he crashed into the overhead rigging with the lights, and yeah. and, and that there wasn't a. I, I think somehow a couple of lights might have come down. No one got hit. Mm -hmm. uh, Riddick Bowe's wife, who was pregnant, was like within feet of this yeah. contraption, uh, you know, coming down to the ground, and uh, just a miracle. Another crazy event was uh, and i know your dad was there too was the riot in madison square garden with yeah. uh, andrew golada and again uh, riddick bow mm -hmm. yeah that's another one where I, that one i was very scared <laughs> i mean that's like you're looking at oh, yeah. that and and you're i wasn't there but and I, just watching it on tv and that's just they could do a whole legendary nights on on that one not you know maybe not for the for good reasons but you know george foreman you know you know taking people out and uh, Jim Lampley looking for his daughter in the crowd. That was just yeah. part of the theater uh, that is boxing, man. I'm sure you've had the time over the last year while uh, you were on the sidelines to think about all that's transpired. Did you, you know, a lot of people during the COVID uh, time have taken a second to like think back because it's hard to look forward in, in this time. Have you, did you do that? Did you take a lot of time to reflect on the 40 plus years you've had in boxing? Yeah, I guess this, uh, this last year that I had off, it was uh, I, reflecting on a lot of things. You know, you can't just watch Netflix all the time. And uh, it, it was, uh, you know, a time to reflect and look back at sad things. And, and you know, uh, one of the things this, this weekend, of course, with marvelous Marvin Hagler passing away, uh, I'm sure quite a few fans like myself went to YouTube and, and just looked at some of those great, great moments with Hagler and uh, a very, very reflective moment uh, with him passing away at only 66 years of age. Yeah, let, let's let's touch on that. And I know, first of all, you did a phenomenal job with the Ten Bell salute. You know, emotional, and it's not an easy thing to do, especially when you have a personal friendship like you had with Marvin Hagler. So, uh, yeah. you know, phenomenal job uh, with that. And I, I think the Ten Bell salute is just just such a great time honor tradition. Uh, in boxing, but going back to, to your friendship with Marvin Hagler and your time with Hagler, what stands out to you the most? And if you have any stories or, or memories or just anything you'd like to say about um, the fabulous life of, of marvelous Marvin Hagler? One of the things that, that stands out to me, besides just those great moments in the ring, and, and, and I, was, uh, I was blessed to, to get to introduce him once uh, in his career because I was more or less starting out as he it was wrapping up his career uh, was in 1984 when he uh, at Madison Square Garden when he fought uh, Mustafa Hamshow in their second fight and uh, I think he stopped him in the third round just a masterpiece of performance and I used to love the way he would go from the 
orthodox to uh, you know uh, lefty mm -hmm. and just wow just and with power in both hands uh, I remember watching his one round KO of uh, Caveman Lee <laughs> which was uh, with a jab <laughs> he knocked him out in the yeah. very first round on uh, probably on ABC Wide World of Sports just uh, just a great fighter but one thing that always stands out in my mind is that after he moved to Italy and was making movies there, when he would come back and uh, if if I ran into him within the first couple of weeks, uh, he had an Italian accent, <laughs> and he and 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 he would be like, "Hey, Michael, how you doing?" And he would talk like this, you know. And then, if it was maybe a month after he'd been home, there was a bit of a Brockton accent. And then, if he connected with a few buddies from Newark, New Jersey, it was like a North Jersey accent. So, you know, he he would. Uh, but you know, I, the same thing happens with me if I talk to my uh, my sons and they're uh, back in uh, the Philadelphia area mm -hmm. and uh, all of a sudden we start saying the word coffee and uh, <laughs> you know yeah, the old accent comes back. But, That's crazy. That's, uh, that's I, like I, me in New York. Yeah. A friend of mine just actually sent me a text uh, this morning saying, do you remember the time that we ran into Hagler in LA uh, back around 95 and he, he was talking like an Italian uh, <laughs> you know, with, with his hand? I said, oh yeah. But uh, that that was always a great moment, you know, because he was married. Kay is Italian, yeah. his wife, and uh, and he was uh, making movies in Italy and, and never looked back. He walked away and, and never looked back. And from what I understand, when uh, Bob Arum uh, approached him with the possibility of a rematch, it was already a year or two later, and uh, with Sugar Ray, and he he just said uh, he probably said it with an Italian, hey. Tell Ray to get alive. <laughs> Forget about it. But, yeah. yeah. You know, that's that's the thing about Marvin Hagler is obviously he's so unique in, in all the ways that you spoke about in the ring. You know, his style of fighting, how he had to get to the top. No, not an easy way, a ride to the top, you know, really earning it. Mm -hmm. But the fact that how he went out is so admirable because you've seen this, Michael, like these guys that hold on for too long. Like you never want to see yeah. your hero get beat up like you never want to see Muhammad Ali take a beating in the ring and that's happened and it's happened to a lot of fighters because they have a tough time knowing when to say goodbye I think that just added to the allure and I think that added to the mystique of Marvin Hagler is the fact that he said listen I'm done with boxing because of this bad decision I'm out I'm leaving and then when the rare times that you did see him you know if he showed up at the International Boxing Hall of Fame or he showed up at the Nevada Hall of Fame. It meant something. It really meant like to see him and get a picture with him, or just to talk to him. It was just a, a rare sighting of seeing him meant so much more. Yeah, it really did. He uh, uh, he wasn't happy with that decision, and he said, uh, "Okay, that's it." He was the highest paid athlete in the world in 1987, so he walked away with uh, a lot of taxable money in his pocket, and uh, and he lived happily ever after. It's just. It was just—it was so difficult Saturday to wrap my head around the fact that that it, at 66 he was gone, and um, ironically, that's I, uh, Alan Minter, mm -hmm. who he beat to win the title in uh, London, uh, passed away just four or five months ago too, and uh, Leon Spinks, uh, you know, just a few months ago, yeah. uh, around the same age, just just hard to, to get a grip on it guy I you know I I knew as the years went by that um, you know there were there were older 
fighters that uh, it was going to happen where I'd have to say a 10 count, you mm-hmm. know, Max Schmeling, Jack Dempsey, uh, you know, Sugar Ray Robinson, uh, who passed away back in the 80s. And um, you never, never think that somebody who's younger than me is, and I'm going to have to get up there and, and, and you know, have to announce that uh, 10 bell memorial count. And uh, uh, that was one of the really tough ones because it was so sudden. You know, usually there's a day or two to prepare and you've, You've uh, gone through a, a little bit of grief, and uh, and this one here, it was yeah. uh, really hard not to get choked up, uh, just so sudden. Yeah, it took it took the wind out of my sails. It took the wind out of a lot of people's sails because everyone was so pumped up for that fight, uh, Chocolatito yeah. and Estrada, which in a way was you know like a throwback type of fight. That's the type of fight you would see in the Ooh. '80s every single weekend, Ooh. right? Yeah, well, I, I, I the the punch stat was um, <laughs> yeah that was me well over two thousand punches and and just amazing. Uh, the first six rounds was the output was amazing. It just it, it was mind boggling. Right. I, mean, I was going crazy at ringside just watching it. Yeah, I was and, sitting there uh, counting the punches. I like the, yeah, I like the score of the fight. You know, write it down round by round. But I, after the third or fourth round, I realized I wasn't even writing anything down. I was too busy going. Holy shit, you know, after each round, it was just amazing. That's so great. That's the thing, when everyone always asks me, what's Michael Buffer like? Well, I say, first of all, he's like the utmost gentleman, and he, he's been always been great to my family and us at CompuBox, but he is the biggest boxing fan. Like, he's had a front row seat to every big fight, and the fact that you're still scoring fights, that's so cool to me. Yeah, I, I, I like to do that because... Um, I remember, I wasn't even in the business or anything, but I remember the Jimmy Young, Muhammad Ali fight. And a broadcaster can sway somebody's opinion as to what they're actually seeing if they're not scoring it round by round. Mm -hmm. And Ali was uh, just dominating the fight on a scorecard. But uh, Jimmy Young was a really clever boxer and and, uh, he started to look good late. This was a 15 round fight. So he was like um, still there after the uh, 11th and 12th round mm-hmm. and um, you know, moving around looking good. And Howard Cosell, who had a great gift of remembering things, uh, you know, like, I remember the time Jackie Roosevelt, probably, yeah, he would just like drag it crazy. Yeah. But he was the worst boxing announcer, in my opinion. I mean, you know, God rest his soul. He was a, a great sportscaster because of his knowledge of things that happened over the last century. Mm-hmm. But, in boxing, he just drove me crazy. And he's acting as though, I don't know if you remember, you know, you weren't even born there, but they never gave their score. They sort of like gave an opinion later in the fight or, yeah. but you never like today, um, you know, the broadcasters will say, well, I have it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 96, 94 at this point, uh, Bob, you know, and it, it just, it, Back then, they would never give it. He would never say, like, you know, I think uh, I think he's got a lead or something like that, but they never gave their numbers. Yeah, it's hard. And it's- I remember I was at that fight, and and it was ridiculous. And Jimmy Young kept sticking his head out between the ropes and that sort of thing. And uh, Ali actually spanked him, hit him in the butt <laughs> one time, and uh, he easily won the fight in a unanimous decision. But people, the next day that I talked to, they were saying, oh, what? They'd watch it on TV. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a ripoff. Uh, Ali didn't win that fight. I'm thinking, like, what, what were they looking at? 
And here it turns out Cosell just totally was giving props to Jimmy Young as though he, uh, it's going to be a close fight. Right. And it wasn't even close, but you know, that's, that's what an announcer could do. So that's when I started like every time I watched the fight, even at home or whatever, just as a fan, I used to try to keep a, a, a running score just to see how it felt. And, and I have my own system of scoring where I will look at my watch and if um, two minutes have gone by and one guy has a lead, the other guy's going to have to do a lot mm -hmm. to pull that round out. Not one of these 20 second, uh, like, like the, uh, you know, Ray Leonard yeah. and I are good friends, but he was the master yep. at stealing rounds. He was brilliant at it. Yeah. So he's against Hagler, right? On a, yeah. Yeah. He would put on a 20, 25 second show at the end of the round. Yeah. And it was like, wow. Like, meanwhile, you know, it could have been close or he, had, he didn't even come close to winning the first two and a half minutes. But yeah. uh, that, that's the way I, I think you should score a round is the complete round. I like that. The Michael Buffer school of judging fights. I feel like you can have a whole nother career. You can do a whole nother consulting. No, 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 no. no. Get Carlos Sucre in the, in the school. I've been wrong quite a few times. <laughs> We've all been wrong. So even the things that you were just explaining are things that still happen today. You know, broadcasters sway the fans at home. Or even like someone like, like Muhammad Ali, who, who fans at home think that he even lost the fight. I mean, that happens all the time now, especially uh, with Canelo, not so much recently, but early on in his career, they were thinking that he lost to Trout or he lost to Lara. Such a subjective sport. I mean, even with us, with the CompuBox stats, everyone thinks, oh, I could do that at, on my couch. I, you know, you're wrong. We're, we're right. right. So it's just the beauty of the sport, in my opinion, is the subjective nature of it. Of, of Even if you're ringside. You might get it wrong, but I'm gonna to go to some Twitter questions, uh, Michael. And uh, listen, oh boy. I, I know, <laughs> no, I, I went through them all. I, I vetted them. Um, I, I saw a few there. Yeah, yeah, really. it's always great. The, the fans are passionate. Boxing fans are, are, are the best. But I know the answer sure. to this. But we've added a lot more fans since your first time on the show, and there's a lot more new fans in boxing, as I'm sure you're you're witnessing with the the birth mm -hmm. of the zone. Zerto wants to know, how did you choose your iconic let's get ready to rumble catchphrase? A question I'm sure you've been asked numerous times, but if you could, just, just take us back. Uh, yeah, well, when I started in 1982, it had become uh, the way for all the ring announcers to introduce all their pals on the local commission. And then you add to that, if it was a world title fight, uh, the WBC or WBA president and supervisor and along with four doctors uh, and uh, the entire commission board and all that. There, there were times where I would introduce, now, now get this, this would happen after the fighters come to the ring wow. and it's exciting. The music is playing, you know, and they, and they're both there, the hometown hero, the champion, whatever. And everybody's energized and, and all of a sudden, the ring announcer kills the crowd by introducing 17, 18, 19, 20 guys before the fighters. You just wiped out the room. So I wanted, I wanted to try something to get uh, as a hook to bring the crowd back, uh, uh, like gentlemen, start your engines. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I once uh, did the opening, uh, MC the opening ceremonies for the Indy 500. You got 450,000 people there live and millions watching on TV. Mm -hmm. And they go through a whole ceremony uh, years ago. Uh, Jim Neighbors would sing Down Home in Indiana. And they'd have this whole long, drawn-out thing. But then uh, 
when that uh, little old lady that uh, whose family owned the racetrack or something would say, gentlemen, start your engines, uh, which I remember when she did it, she actually had to go, gentlemen, she had to look at her notes. <laughs> look at her notes. And I thought, oh, this lady's getting pretty old. She doesn't remember start your engines. But gentlemen, start your engines. Man, everybody's excited. And the race is going to begin. So I wanted that moment, that that's something that would let people know, now you're going to meet the stars of the show. And, uh, you know, um, I tried to uh, man your battle stations and fasten your seatbelts and nothing happened. But, of course, the great uh, legendary icon of boxing, Muhammad Ali, used to go through this whole thing with Drew Bundini Brown at weigh-ins and press conferences where he would, you know, besides saying I'm so pretty and I'm chopping wood and I'm running up and down mountains and all that, uh, he would say, uh, rumble, young man, rumble, float like a butterfly, sting like Well, the word rumble was out there. And uh, Sal Marciano, who was the uh, uh, with the broadcast team in the very early days of top-ranked boxing on ESPN, uh, used to say, well, we're ready to rumble from Resorts International in Atlantic <laughs> City. And, uh, so I, I started saying, let's get ready to rumble and stayed with it. It's a lot different. Uh, I just happened to look at that old uh, Ham Show Hagler fight in 1984, and it was like, um, and now let's get ready to rumble 12 rounds of box. <laughs> I just like rolled into it because I wasn't, I wasn't trying to, you know, uh, emphasize it uh, to bring attention to mm -hmm. myself or anything, but uh, I, I just would wanted to get it out there like you're going to meet the fighters. And uh, a gentleman by the name of Jody Berry, who's no longer with us, uh, was a singer who for years opened for um, Ella Fitzgerald at uh, supper clubs and shows. And he had this great show business uh, mentality. And um, he told me, he said, when you say, let's get ready to rumble, shut the F up. <laughs> I'm like, Jody, he said, because people want to react to it. And that was some of the best advice I ever got. And it just changed the whole presentation and uh, made it into a, a phrase that uh, now everybody has to have a catchphrase. Yeah. So, but it, it, it got people to, to get interested in it again. You know, a lot of people, I don't know, maybe we talked about this before, but I actually was the first ring announcer to say it's showtime also. <laughs> That's because um, uh, Jay Larkin, the uh, yep. executive producer uh, for many years with Showtime and mm -hmm. David Dinkins, uh, you know, they, they came up with the idea of saying, you know, uh, it's show. It was originally with it's showtime, it's boxing. So uh, I used to say that back in the uh, late uh, '80s and uh, uh, maybe 1990, I think I did it too. And and I would say it's it's boxing, it's showtime. Let's get ready to rumble. Oh, so, just hearing it right yeah, there gets me fired up. You know, it's just such a special thing. It's just part of boxing. I mean, it's just it's it's. I can't imagine a big fight without you in the ring saying, let's get ready to rumble. I mean, it, it, it was, it sucked to not to see you for a, a few fights early on, but it's, it's great to have you back. I mean, a big fight has to have Michael Buffer in the ring. Like, you know how it works. So much has to go right for a, a big fight to happen. You know, yeah. whether it's the, the fighters have to build up to that moment, the politics, the, the, everything in the deal, but you in the ring, it's a big part of it. It's all part of the ingredients. It's all part of being at a fight. And I tweeted this out a few weeks ago. If you've never been to a live boxing event, 
you have to go. Even if you're a, a diehard fan, yeah. you've probably been to a fight. If you're a casual fan and you're on the fence, now that we get back to uh, going to venues, you have to go. Even if you're not a boxing fan, it's there's nothing like that electricity, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a big difference now, and um, uh, it, it's even it's even more enhanced now for the fight fan to have that experience because the big fights they throw big screens all around the building too, yeah. so you never miss any of the action. That's kind of like when uh, I'm sure a lot of people with the passing of, of um, the marvelous one mm -hmm. have gone to YouTube and looked at that great, great three rounds of boxing with Tommy Hearns and marvelous Marvin Hagler. And I, I don't know what the capacity was, whether it was like 20 or 30,000 or whatever, it was just massive, but there were no big TV screens. They just had to be there. Yep. You know? And that was what made that uh, to be in, in that outdoor stadium in a parking lot in caesar's palace made it so exciting and when you go back way before my time and your dad's time and everything um you would have a hundred thousand people at philadelphia's municipal stadium to see dempsey and uh, gene tunney fight and uh, there were no tv screens you know there were a lot of binoculars i'm sure <laughs> and uh it just the the passion of uh, fight fans it's phenomenal and uh, um the uh, the anniversary of muhammad ali and and smoking joe was mm -hmm. just two weeks ago uh 50 years since they fought their first time and the electricity in madison square garden for a big fight back then no no tv screens you've got them now and they get to see the the replays between rounds yeah. and close-ups of the fighters as they and make their entrance and all that but um you're right to be there is really really something special especially for a big event yeah and i miss it man i haven't been i haven't we haven't been able to travel for a fight and and i've been going to fights forever i mean yeah you i mean i used to i remember <laughs> i remember you you're about this big but <laughs> right and then here we are yeah. today i mean that's the thing about boxing and i was just thinking this like it has a lot of warts that there's no doubt about that but you can't match the history it's got so much history, and we've just seen it on display these last two weeks. Uh, whether it's about uh, Muhammad Ali 50-year anniversary that stopped the world, and it's it had a whole special on ABC, and it just and then now with marvelous Marvin Hagler. I mean, the history of boxing is so rich and so deep. Uh, man, I can go on all day with you, Mike. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I hope to be at a fight soon. And catch up with you i hope so ringside and to hear it because to me there's nothing better than a big fight you in the center of the ring i'm not going to say it because i don't want to get sued and then let's get it going <laughs> uh thanks dan it's always good always good to see you and it's always good to, to be there at the big ones we we've got uh what i think is going to be a good one uh cinco de mayo yep uh billy joe sanders who when he is on mm -hmm. you just can't hit him I'm a really, really impressive fighter. Uh, but then uh, Canelo is just uh, at the top of his game. Uh, matchmaker Eric Botcher said he, he definitely thinks that he's one of the, the 10 best middleweights he's ever seen. What about you? Uh, Do you think that? I, I think his progression from the, uh, the second uh, Triple G fight mm -hmm. to, to now is like puts him right up there and in, in the 
you know, if he's not the best pound for pound fighter right now, he's definitely in, in the top three or four. There's no doubt about oh, it. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, yeah. I mean, defensively, I mean, that's the thing that I love with Canelo is, is yeah, he'll knock you out, but he'll make you miss. He'll make you pay. Yeah. 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 I, that that's, that's what's impressive. He, and he has a granite chin. We know that now because in the first fight with triple G, yeah. nobody that I can think of could, could have survived those shots. I mean, he really, really got hit with some unbelievable shots. And uh, he changed his whole game uh, from from that second fight on to, mm -hmm. to just a, a level that's uh, really impressive, really amazing. And for him to go from 154 to 175 and win titles, yep. and, you know, he's, he's like 5'8", 5'9", uh, that he, he's... He's a throwback to the Hagler uh, middleweight type of thing. Uh, middleweights were always, you know, 5'8", five, 5'9", five, 5'7", five, and Basilio. I mean, just these guys were, um, you know, 160-pound, not tanks, but just solid, you know, yeah, ripped. different like, than, real, you know, even heavyweights, heavyweights were smaller then. It's, it's wild. Yeah, everybody, to, everybody today, with the weigh-in being a day early, most of your middleweights are really super middleweights yeah. and even close to being light heavyweights. Mm -hmm. But, um, uh, that, that's what's so impressive about, uh, Canelo too. Yeah. He's a, uh, he's a middleweight that's fighting all over the map. So, um, it's, it's really impressive and I'm looking forward to the, uh, the Saunders fight. Yeah. You'll be there, right? Vegas. Well, I don't know exactly well, where it's going to be. Um, I, I don't know what the outcome is or whether, what the decision is, but I know that, the powers that be had a meeting on Monday at uh, Texas Stadium, yeah. AT&T Stadium, yeah. and they've been told they they could bring in seventy thousand fans. Now, hopefully, <laughs> there's this. You know, uh, right now Texas has opened its doors to no restrictions, mm -hmm. so let's hope there isn't a surge that would you know uh, prevent that. But uh, uh, we'll have to wait and see. This is, you know, for health purposes, we have a lot of difficulties yet that we have to overcome. Mm -hmm. But fingers crossed, uh, Vegas, uh, they might go to the uh, the new Raiders football stadium. That would be awesome. I, 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 there's so much to look forward to. Uh, Michael, I really appreciate you coming on here, Inside Boxing Live. I could talk boxing with you all day long. Hopefully the next time we see you, it's in person, not through a screen. But I appreciate okay. the time. And, uh, yeah, I, it, this was amazing. I love the stories, and I love that your passion for boxing is unmatched. So thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, man. Take care. All right. Take care. See you at ringside. <laughs> All right. Special thanks to Michael Buffer. Really fun interview. Boxing schedule is heating up. April 17th. Jake Paul, Ben Askren. I know that you're ordering it because now it is a straight up concert. Check out these names that they've added to the show. Justin Bieber, the Black Keys, Doja Cat, Sawiti, who I've never heard of, Diplo, I heard of him. Major Laser, heard of that group, or is it just one person? And Mount Westmore, this is what I'm excited for. Super Group, Snoop Dogg, Ice Cube, Too Short, and E-40. Listen, this pay-per-view is going to do big numbers because of that. They're doing the right thing. Triller, you may not like it. You may not think it's real boxing. It isn't. It isn't. It's celebrity boxing and it's entertainment value. June 5th, you're going to see it again. Tiafimo Lopez versus George Cambosos. And I'm hearing a lot of different things. Uh, will it be the main event? Will it not be the main event? Why is Oscar De La Hoya taking pictures with Tiafimo Lopez on the set of a Triller event? Do the math. Put it together. The things are all swirling around. Boxing.